Welcome, my true crime roadies. I'm your host, Angela Baum, along with my husband, Larry, and this is Trucking True Crime Podcast, a true crime show where we focus on true crime stories that happen within the trucking industry. But don't worry, you don't need to know anything about the trucking industry to listen and enjoy the show. You just need to be a fan of true crime. And if that's you, then welcome inside. As a reminder, if you'd like to learn more about our life over the road as team truck drivers, you can listen to our other podcast, Married to the Road, where we share our lives over the road and stories along the way with our three furry dogs. As a reminder, our podcast discusses true crimes and murders. This is not a show for the faint of heart, and this is not intended for young audiences. If you like your podcast ad-free, then head over to our Patreon, located at patreon.com slash Podcast, where for just a dollar a whole month, your episodes are ad-free. And if you need more episodes in your life, then for just $5 a month, you get a bonus episode each month, all your episodes are ad-free, and you get a 10% discount on all of our Trekking True Crime Podcast merchandise. Plus, anytime you sign up, you get instant access to all of our episodes ad-free. So please be sure to stop by our Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast and sign up today. Welcome back, all my trucking true crime roadies. I am Angie. And I'm in the dark, Larry. Why are you in the dark? Because I don't know what's going on here. Oh, yeah. And I love it. I love hearing it the same time they do. Uh, so we are. We apologize. We were supposed to have this podcast out on Saturday. But as a lot of you guys may have seen from our social media, Larry and I have been really sick the last two weeks. But this weekend, it hit us the hardest, and we actually were in bed for like two days solid and didn't even get out until yesterday. Can I say that this is pretty much the first time I've heard her talk in three days? I know. I've been so easy and coughing and hacking, and yesterday I got out long enough to get a shower, and just going in to take a shower exhausted me, and I had to come back and take a nap. And it's literally right there. So yeah. like we have to walk all the way across the parking lot. It's literally right there. We got like the closest spot you can get. And it still wore us out. And it's 1130 on Monday doing this podcast right now. And I'm already ready for a nap. <laughs> I haven't and, done anything. You were on the phone with your friends for about almost a half hour. Yeah. And I could hear at the end of your conversation you were getting winded. Yeah. It's hit me hard. I've got, I got bronchitis. It's turned, it, it was a flu that we got from Mid-America Truck Show, and it just kind of wouldn't go away. And we had told you guys that we were around one person that had um, bronchitis and then another person that had strep throat, and I think we just got a combination of the two. But hopefully we'll start feeling better this week. Let's hope. Well, I'm feeling a little better, and in about four hours I'm going to start driving. Just so I could do half of it tonight. Half, of it, half tomorrow. of it tomorrow. Yeah. It's only like a seven hour drive, but I seriously don't think I have seven hours in me, so I'll do three, get a good night's sleep, and knock out four tomorrow. And we got a, we got a, a big delivery. We got a pit. Well, it's not a big delivery, but it's a, it's a time consuming. We got to go very far in two days, and we've only. Don't have much time as far as to yeah, mess around. This is going to be definitely a rush, rush, rush job here. 
Yeah. So we do have a good case for you guys today. Uh, Larry does not know anything about this case. I haven't told him anything about it. Matter of fact, I worked on it while he was sleeping. Uh, I've kind of worked on it. It's taken me about four days to do it because I've been so tired. Uh, but our resources from today's case came from Wikipedia, Murderpedia, the Toledo Blade newspaper, uh, WFTV, and KIFO. We will have these links in our show's notes and on our website at trickingtruecrimepodcast.com. I also did add a highlight to the top of our Instagram page if you want to see pictures of the particular serial killer we're going to be talking about today and the victims. You can find those photos at our website, Trekking True Crime Podcast, and also at our highlight reel at the top of our Instagram page. I just got to say one thing. I love that name. Killopedia. <laughs> oh, Murderpedia. Murderpedia. I but I like that. Killopedia. That's kind of good, too. Is, somebody's out there getting started start a new one. Killopedia. Yeah, I know. Uh, maybe Murder, we should go in there and lock that Murderpedia. up. Murderpedia. <laughs> Murderpedia. It's like a Wikipedia, but all about serial killers. I love it. Lots of good information. We just had cereal last night. Yes, we did. Oh, where did that... Okay, you can tell we don't feel good. Talk about serial killers, and the first thing you think of is serial food. <coughs> Somebody killed Captain Crunch. Yeah. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about a serial killer who really should have learned to keep his mouth shut. Uh, he was one of those types of serial killers who was really proud of his work, that he always wanted his 15 minutes of fame. So he was a bragger. Very much a bragger. Guess what I did. Yes. And if he got paid to brag about it and share his story, it was all the better. He wanted his 15 minutes of fame. And his then some. His then some and get paid for it as well. So it's like he's one of those people you just want to put duct tape on his mouth and be like, shut up. <laughs> he just kept incriminating himself. Yeah, 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 I or did that. Twitter away from somebody. Oh, gosh. So today we're going to be talking about long-haul truck driver. His name was Delmas Colvin, and his nickname was Heavy. And I just showed you his pictures. Do you get why his nickname was Heavy? I'm surprised his name wasn't Tiny. <laughs> You're funny. <laughs> so you'll see his photos at the top of our Instagram page in the highlight reel. But yeah, Delmas was a big boy. He was a very, very big boy. What? I'm stretching my legs. He was a very big boy, and that's the reason they called him Heavy. So one of the things I found that was so shocking while I was researching this episode was how many different podcasts and radio interviews that he has done since he's been convicted of these horrible crimes and put in prison. Um, during one of those interviews that he did, he even uh, he showed zero ounce of remorse for anything he had done. And dare I say he was proud of what he did. Um, as a matter of fact, in one of the interviews, he said that remorse is for suckers. And he was one of those people that was so thrilled that the journalists and podcasters wanted to interview him that he felt that he was very important and special. <coughs> Excuse me, guys. You're both probably going to be coughing through this. Yeah, he just... He, I listened to quite a few YouTube radio interviews and podcasts. And during all of them, he just showed absolutely zero remorse. He was proud of what we did. He felt that the women deserved it. And he was not sorry for any of the crimes that he committed. So just keep this in mind when we go on to talk about him. So Delmas was born in August of 1959. And from everything that I could find in his early childhood, it seemed like he had a pretty normal childhood. 
He was raised by both his mother and father until uh, later on in his childhood where they did divorce. Um, but he was raised in the countryside of Ohio. He often spent his weekends and afternoons roaming the fields of his family's farm. Delmas was one of the only African-American children in his community and wound up growing up in a predominantly white school and community. Um, even during his years in high school, there was no criminal complaints on Delmas and no reports of any behavioral issues. So he wasn't like one of those kids that was constantly causing fights or arguments with students. Um, he just didn't have any juvenile criminal record whatsoever. He seemed like a very good kid. So far. One of the interviews they had asked Delmas, one of the interviews asked him, when was the first time that he had that overwhelming urge to kill someone? And he said that he felt that at the age of 14 years old. Um, he said his parents had divorced and his father had remarried and Delmas absolutely hated his stepmother. He felt that she was too strict on him and he also felt that she treated him differently than she did her own kids. So it was at the age of 14 that he found himself starting to have fantasies and dreams of wanting to kill her. <coughs> he went so far as to try and enlist his brother to help him in this plot to kill his stepmother. Because he knew at his young age that he would not be able to dispose of the body on his own. Luckily, the murder never did occur, and Delmas had no criminal record or anything that I could find growing up in his teen years. He played football and golf and wrestling, and from all accounts, seemed to have a pretty normal life. Um, Delmas did say in an interview that he had a normal life with no sexual abuse, and that and then when the, the radio interviewer even asked him if he had, like, Growing up, if he ever mutilated animals or started any fires, because a lot of times serial killers, that's what they're known for in their early childhood. You know, they will mutilate animals or start fires or do stuff like that. And he said, nope, I had totally normal life. I didn't do any of that growing up. So, <coughs> so sorry, guys. Gotta get a drink here. It was just his first taste of blood that got him on this spiral road. I guess. So... He said he didn't have any sexual abuse, nothing like that, where, you know, we could explain why he became who the person he was. So I don't really know what made Delmas turn into the person that he became, but... So in the 1980s, uh, Delmas became a taxi driver. Um, he also started to develop a very antisocial personality around this time, um... He became, he became known around the taxi industry as someone who did not like to interact with his passengers or even his co-workers. And his co-workers just said he became super antisocial and withdrawn. And even at times, he would become very combative. Um, it was also during this time period where Delmas started hanging out with prostitutes. Even as going as far as to start pimping out a few of his regular prostitutes that he enjoyed spending time with. So what he would do is he became their primp at, just to help him earn a little extra income on the side. And he called this his new side hustle. So like in the daytime, he was a taxi driver. And at nighttime, he was pimping out these prostitutes who he called his friends. In 1989, he was convicted on his first charge, which was of illegal weapons charge and also assault. This was the first time that he had his first stint in prison. He was sentenced to 15 years in prison, but was released in 1992. But no sooner had he been released that Delmas found himself back behind bars. This time it was for violating his probation. 
He was hanging out with known felons, which was a violation of his probation, and that's what wound up giving him another three years behind bars. So it sounded like he'd only been out for a month, and then, boop, he's right back behind prison, all because he's hanging out with felons. Revolving door. Now, after his latest stint, he wound up moving to the Toledo, Ohio area and soon getting his CDL license. This is when he starts to become a long-haul, over-the-road truck driver, which honestly shocked me because he already is a known felon. How was he able to become a truck driver? Because nowadays, there is no way that he would have been able to get a CDL license, but we got to remember that this was back in the 1990s, back when I don't think they were strict in doing their research on felonies, um, because we know that if you have a felony today, you can't get your CDL license. Right. So. So maybe it's because of guys like him that are making it so hard for us these days. Right. Which is probably not a bad thing, though. Not a bad thing at all. We don't want a bunch of felon truck drivers on our roads. No. But anyway, so he went from taxi driver to truck driver, which opened up a whole new world of being able to see the world and being able to visit lots of prostitutes in different areas across the United States. Delvis's first murder came when he was only 24 years of age. This is while he was trucking in New Jersey. He was on the East Coast when he met a hitchhiker who he assumed at the time was a prostitute at a travel plaza. Come to find out, she really was not a prostitute. She was a simple hitchhiker, a college student who was just wanting to get from point A to point B. But in Delmas's mind, he thought that she was a prostitute. So she asked Delmas for a ride into New York from New Jersey. During their short trip together, they got into a really big argument about which, right, which route Delmas was going to be taking getting into New York. She wanted Delmas to take a particular route. Delmas did not want to take that particular detour. Before long, Delma said that he could not take her whining and her lip any longer and pulled off to handle her. She was the first of his victims that he ever strangled. He said in an interview that he, he said he had already heard that if you watch a strangulation's victim's eyes and watch them fade away, that they would haunt you for the rest of your life. But Delmas just laughed at the notion and stated, that's a damn myth. I know this for a fact. Calvin, uh, said with a chuckle he said i slept really great that night so he killed his first victim by strangulation watched the light pour out of her lives he had no problem sleeping that night it was like Shh, whatever this isn't gonna haunt me for the rest of my nights this is whatever and that was his very first strangulation victim in 2004 delmas Coleman was also arrested for the rape and kidnapping of a 40 year old Toledo woman that occurred back in April 2nd of 2004. During this trial, they did get Delmas's DNA to put into the DNA crime basis to see if they might be able to see if he was involved in any more cases as well. So their biggest thing is they said he had a mobile crime scene by having being a truck driver and they started to see a pattern of where Delmas was strangling his victims and he had been accused of other rapes but they were never able to charge Delmas. There was never, ever another enough evidence. So they took his DNA. They put it into the database. They were hoping that because he was a truck driver and he had what they called a mobile crime unit, that maybe they would be able to use his DNA to solve some more cases. So while they're charging him for this 40-year-old Toledo woman um, rape and kidnapping that occurred at the first part of 2004, they wound up running his DNA through the system. 
Sadly, that trial of that 40-year-old woman ended in a hung jury. They were unable to convict him. They said that the jury went off for five and a half hours to try to convict Delmas Colvin, but unfortunately, they just didn't feel that there was enough evidence to prove beyond the shadow of a doubt that he was guilty, so they wound up being a hung jury, and I believe it was split right down the middle. <coughs> but right after this trial was ending, like literally the very same day that this trial was ending in a hung jury, the prosecutor announced that they had run Delmas's DNA through the cold crime database, and along with his DNA and also evidence that they had in other cases, that they believed that he was responsible for two more murders. So they immediately arrested him. So in other words, he gets released for the hung jury trial and the 40-year-old Toledo woman, and they said, oh, not so close, mister. Now we're re-arresting you because we ran your DNA through the cold case unit and wound up thinking that you may possibly be involved in two other murders. And the reason they thought it was him was A, his DNA matched, but B, these other two women were also strangled as well. They're like, um, come with me, sir. We have another cell for you. You may leave that cell, but we got a nice one right here, all ready for you. Exactly. So they believe that he was responsible for two more murders again because of the DNA and the fact that these two women had also been strangled. So Delmas was immediately taken back into custody for these new murders, and he was recharged on first-degree murder and kidnapping for both of these women. I bet he was sitting there in the courtroom with the biggest smile on his face, thinking that he had gotten away with the rape and kidnapping of the first woman, only to find out that now he was going to be going to be charged for these two women. So I'm sure it came as quite a shock, and he was totally blindsided by being rearrested. So the two women that Delman was Delmas was accused of murdering were both prostitutes. They were both found to be, uh, that they both died from strangulation and asphyxiation. So the first victim was a 33-year-old woman named Jackie Simpson. She was a prostitute who had been missing for several months before she was eventually found. Now, Ms. Simpson's body was found by an employee on April 16th at a business located on North Holland Drive. She was actually found under some uh, bushes out in front of the business. The very next month, on May 9th, the body of Melissa Weber was also found. Miss Weber, who was the mother of three children, <coughs> was found at a vacant truck terminal about two miles from where she had originally gone missing. Calvin was charged with aggravated murder and kidnapping in the case of both of these women. So... Now he's been charged with killing two more prostitutes, both in the same way, strangulation and asphyxiation. The other thing I will say is that they noticed that on both of these victims, that the victims, had their bodies had been wrapped in sheets and then wrapped in blankets. And then when they found them, they were wrapped in sheets and blankets. So that also seemed to be a theme to all the women that he murdered. There's got to be some kind of trail of him buying a lot of sheets and blankets. That's what I'm wondering. I'm wondering if, like, he had just a plethora of sheets and blankets in his truck. I don't understand that. Not only did they raft a sheet, but they're also wrapped in a blanket. And then the other thing you'll find out later on in this is that he would keep a lot of these women in his semi-truck. Sometimes hours at a time, but a lot of times days, weeks. And one lady he kept in his truck for months at a time. 
And he laughed about how he got pulled over by a cop and the cop didn't even know she was in there. I'm like, oh, how could you not smell that? All the decomposition in the yeah. truck. I don't know. Very weird. So, um, Mrs. Weber again, who was the mother of three, we talked about how she was found in the truck terminal. So, Calvin was charged with aggravated murder and kidnapping the death of both these women. During the trial, it was found that Calvin's DNA was found under the nails of Melissa Weber, which proved that she really did try to fight back. <coughs> yeah, a lot of the evidence of strangulation victims, they find the perpetrator's DNA under their fingernails. That was a big word. <laughs> Scratching is a great way. Yes. She was a fighter. And she probably found, tried to fight him off, said her mother. She and others didn't deserve to die like this. He didn't have the right to do any of these things as he did to him, said Mrs. Weber's mother. During the trial, Calvin was accused of both beating and raping both of these women in the cab of a semi-truck. Then he disposed of their bodies. Delmas was facing life with the death penalty. When he decided to approach the prosecutors and he told them that he would plead guilty to these murders and give them three more if they agreed to take the death penalty off the table. So in other words, he's saying, okay, yeah, yeah, you guys got me. There's enough evidence. I will go ahead and plead guilty, but I don't want the death penalty. And if you take it off the table, I'll make it really sweet and I'll give you three more. I'll give you three more bodies. So this is what I meant about the beginning when I said this man just tends to talk and talk and talk and get himself into more trouble. So anyway, <laughs> so he went to the prosecutors. So on that Monday, the jurors were in trial, were in trial and they had uh, just made it back to their seats after taking a brief recess for lunch. So when they get back to their seats and they get ready to sit down, they were told that they were going to be dismissed because they were working out a plea deal between the prosecutor's office and the defense. So they go ahead and tell the jury, just go home. You don't need, we don't need you here any further. We've gone ahead and worked out a plea deal. So after a few hours later, Delmas came back out along with the prosecutors and the defense and said that he admitted to killing both Jackie and Melissa. But now Delmas also agreed that he also killed a lady named Lily Summer, who was age 43, a lady named Jacqueline Thomas, who was age 42, and Valerie Jones, age 38. All of these women were all prostitutes, and all the women died from strangulations and being beaten to death. <coughs> also, all five of these Toledo women's bodies were wrapped in sheets and blankets and then dumped off on the side of a highway or interstate. Delmas was then sentenced to five life sentences with the death penalty being taken off of the table and removed. Right after the sentencing, reporters were really trying to speak with Calvin to get his side of the story. Um, they wanted to speak with him to say, hey, you know, what's your side of the story? Um, Delmas being the person that he said he was, he said that he would only talk to the media if they would pay him for his story. And I did forget to mention, which I thought was a really important part, was during the prosecution of Calvin, there was a prostitute who testified during the trial. She testified how during the trial that Delmas had beat and raped her while she was in the cab of his pickup truck. He's also threatened that he was going to kill her as well. Feeling scared for her life and wanting to leave a piece of her DNA behind in his truck, 
She testified how she purposely urinated on the sheets of his bed. In his pickup truck? Yeah, in his semi-truck. Oh, okay. A semi-truck, not a pickup truck. No, he always drove a semi-truck. Did I say pickup truck? You did say pickup truck. Oh, it's my cold. So, but to clarify, it was a semi-truck. Yes, so she was, sorry. She wanted to leave her DNA in the cab of his pickup truck. Semi-truck! Cab of his semi-truck. Because she was afraid that if he really did kill her, she wanted to have a piece of her DNA left behind in her truck and hope that it would lead to the salvation of her case. Okay, that's very smart. It was super smart. In her case, though, she was very lucky that he did not kill her. She was lucky because she was able to escape once he fell asleep inside the truck. She did state after his sentencing, though, she said, I wanted him to get the death penalty. She said that Calvin, uh, she said that while Calvin was led from the court in chains. She said, I didn't get a choice. Those other girls didn't get a choice on whether or not they lived. Why should he get a choice on whether or not he lives? Which I thought was totally true. I agree with her. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, shortly after they announced the fact that Columbus had pleaded guilty and he was sentenced to the five uh, life or five life sentences, they said that they were going to be pulling old cold cases and using Delmas's DNA to see if it was a possibility that they could possibly link him to more unsolved cases. If they get one more, they could give him life for that one. Yes. He just keep accumulating life sentences. At this point, no, though, I mean, oh death yeah, penalty. death penalty, yeah, yeah. I wonder how many life sentences it takes before you get upgraded to a death penalty. No, I mean they they worked out a deal with him for these five victims, but if they found a sixth and they tried him on that one, then they uh, could give him the death penalty on that one. That's true, maybe. So it didn't take long for them to find another murder in their files. So, on October 6th of 2006, Calvin admitted that he was involved in another murder. This time, it was the murder of a 48-year-old woman named Dorothea Wetzel. Dorothea was found murdered on August 5th in 2000. The body of Wetzel was found along the banks of the Maumee River in Toledo, Ohio. Calvin stated that this prostitute irritated him, and that's why he strangled her, making Miss Dorothea his sixth victim. So this man seems like he has just got a low tolerance for women, especially if they're prostitutes, and if they irritate him or tick him off, then he's just going to strangle you. But it seems like they're all, like, around 35 and 45. Yeah, they're, they're not like young. Elderly. Not elderly, but yeah, yeah. definitely not the young prostitutes that you'd be thinking that are out there on the streets. Yeah, when you do think of prostitutes, you think of teenagers, early 20s, yeah. maybe late 20s. <coughs> So then in June of two, uh, June of 2010, Calvin was arrested yet again for another cold case murder from 1987 of a 27-year-old Donna Lee White. I think she was his youngest victim. This is going to be victim number seven. Delmas admitted that during the time that he was working as a taxi driver is when he first met Donna, who needed a, a ride home that night. After talking with her for a while, he convinced her to come back to his apartment for a little bit of a party. So the two of them had consensual sex, then started drinking and enjoying the night. Supposedly, according to Delmas, he went in to take a shower, and when he came back out, he saw that Donna was passed out on the floor. <coughs> he claimed that it was due to a cocaine overdose 
that while he was in the shower, she had done cocaine. And then he came out and found her passed out on the floor. So rather than calling 911 or trying to see if he could revive her, inside, instead Delmas decided to grab a plastic bag and put it over her head. He held it over her head until he finally heard her stop breathing completely. Once knowing she was finally dead, he put her in the trunk of his taxi after wrapping her in a sheet and blanket, then drove her out of town and dumped her body next to the river. Delmas pleaded guilty to this murder as well, making this number seven, and of course making this also uh, life sentence number seven. So he never got the death penalty and all seven of those. That's crazy. <coughs> There's something definitely flawed with our judicial, judicial system. system. Yes. So in a radio interview, Delmas was more than happy to share all of his gory details of his killing sprees. Oftentimes, you would find him laughing during his interview and, like I said, showing zero remorse. They asked him several times if he was sorry for any of the women that he killed. And his his thought was, one, he had no remorse. Two, the reason he chose prostitutes was because he knew that nobody was going to be missing prostitutes. They were nobodies in his mind. So, no, he had zero remorse or he was not sorry for any of the killings. When the producer, Sean Atwood asked him in one of these radio interviews that I watched <coughs> why he would keep the prostitutes in the cab of his trucks for hours or days at a time before disposing of their bodies. He just laughed and said, because they make the best passengers. I swear to God, I can't make this up. He said, because they don't talk back, they're quiet, and I can talk to them for hours. And this was a quote directly from Dalmas. He said, Dead women were very good passengers because they didn't complain about his music or ask for anything. He says, you ain't got to share your goodies with him. He said, for example, I'd say, hey, you want some Wendy's, baby? Hell no, she don't need nothing. And if I stop for, for food like Wendy's, I don't have to share it with them either. In that same interview, he also explained that the reason that he kept the bodies in the truck also was because he was such a large black man. If he waited and disposed of the bodies in the dark, he was less likely to be seen than if he was to dispose of their bodies during the daytime. So that's why he would... <coughs> Wait for sundown. Yeah. Cause he was, and he was a very dark-complected black man, so he was saying that it's much easier for him to dispose of the bodies at night. But, you know, that's true. But driving around in a big yellow taxi well, and is then, not conspicuous at all. And then the semi-truck. But then the thing is, I get that he wants to dispose of the bodies at night. But some of these women, he had in his truck for weeks and months upon time. You're telling me in all that time there wasn't a single night that you could have disposed of those bodies? Well, he had to wait for the right place. That's just crazy. There has to be another reason. No, he got to wait for that right place, the right time, the right moment. Or maybe he just, I don't know, maybe he just didn't want to be lonely. I don't know. It's just weird. It's just weird. He it me to dead people. He, I guess he had full conversations with them. Um, he said that if he waited and disposed of the bodies in the dark, of course, he was less likely to be seen. He joked about how, because he was so dark-skinned, that he parked in the back of parking lots of wooded areas. That way, no one would even be able to see him. Um, <coughs> again, we talked about how... He used dark sheets and dark blankets. Yeah, I don't know that they ever really described what color they were. Um, 
he was, like we said, he had known to keep the bodies in the back of his trucks for hours or months at a time. He even described how on several occasions he would be pulled in by the TOT officers for various offenses, and each time he would secretly laugh knowing that there was a dead body in the back and the police officers had no idea. Delmas was asked in another interview why he chose to only murder, murder prostitutes, and like I said, his reply was that nobody <coughs> will miss them. Exactly. No one would miss them anyway. He claims that prostitutes that he knew and eventually worked with were simply nobodies. They had no friends, they had no families, and they had no lives, and he knew that they would not be missed, so who was going to come looking for them? Delmas also had a habit of killing the women in one state and then dumping their bodies in another state to try to throw off the police and his identity. Calvin said after strangling the women that he would wrap their heads in the plastic bag, seal it with duct tape, because the last thing that you want is someone popping up while you're going down the interstate doing about 70 or 80 miles an hour is what he said. The interviewer went on even further and asked him, if he killed the prostitutes because he hated women, or was it just a control thing or a sexual thing? And Delmas said, it was simple. It was not for the sex. The sex was just a simple bonus. It was just because there was nothing better to do than to strangle a woman and see the life escape out of their eyes. Quote, the light is slowly going out, and I just watch their eyes, like they're a dimmer switch of light. When you turn it real slow, 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 very slow, and then you start choking them, slow, 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 then all of a sudden, the light just goes out. And that is the story of Dulma's Calmer. <coughs> That's not creepy at all. No. Who says that? I don't know, but I want to get a dimmer switch now. Oh, you're disgusting. Who says, I just want to watch the, the light go out in their lights. And then as soon as the light goes out and they're dead, he just... And it wasn't a sexual thing with him either, which I thought was weird. I thought for sure, usually when it's a strangulation case, it's a sexual fantasy. He just like to watch the light go out yeah. of their eyes. Yep. Oh, gosh. I'm so sorry, guys. Like a dimmer switch. Yeah. I can't stop coughing. I'm already working on next week's case. Next week's case, we're going to be talking about Dr. No. And that's all I could tell you about that one because I don't want to give Larry too much information. No. Sorry. We are. We're going to be talking about Dr. No. No. Saturday. So. <laughs> we will have Saturday's podcast out for you guys. Normal time. It'll be up Saturday morning as our normal podcast. Thank you so much for hanging in with her. I'm so sorry that this is probably not the best podcast we've ever done. But I wanted to get it done because I did a lot of research. Just as you can tell, it's very hard for me to talk right now, so it's I do apologize. Yes. So, I do apologize, you guys. I hope that you'll still hang in there with us. We'll have a new podcast out there this Saturday. We'll be talking about Dr. No. And if you guys could, we would truly appreciate it if you would like, follow, and share. Just remember, by following, you'll get notifications every time that we put up a new podcast. And let us know if you know about Dr. No. <laughs> no, don't listen. Let it be a surprise. <laughs> and as Larry always says every week, keep your eyes on the road and your ears on us.
If you're enjoying our podcast and you need just a little bit more Angie and Larry time, then we encourage you to listen to our weekly radio show. That's right. We have a weekly radio show. Every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Central, 8 Eastern, you can listen to our radio show, Tail Lights with the Bombs. It's on tncradio.live. You can listen to us live every week on your phone or your computer by going to tncradio.live or downloading the TNC Radio app. Every week, Larry and I sit down and we interview trekkers and people in the trekking industry who share their stories from over the road. So be sure to join us this Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central at tncradio.live for Taillights with the Bombs. Thank you so much, my true crime roadies, for giving our podcast a listen. We really appreciate you listening to our Trekking True Crime podcast. If you enjoyed our podcast, please be sure to visit our Instagram page or our TikTok page, also Trekking True Crime Podcast. And don't forget that you can visit our Facebook page as well. Again, Trekking True Crime Podcast. Be sure to like, share, and follow, and be sure to share out our podcast to all your friends. We'll be back here next week with another great episode. Thank you so much, my true crime roadies. Be safe out there. Mm -hmm.